You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. It's the final stretch of 2022, and HRN needs your help. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. On this episode of Soul by Chef Todd Richards, I have one of the most brilliant uh, chefs. Um, I would say, wouldn't say that she's up and coming because she's already up, came and and gone over the uh, moon already and and uh, blazing a trail, you know, that is uh, all the way from Atlanta to Los Angeles, which, you know, Los Angeles is a big competition in its own. But being an Atlanta-based chef really gives some insight to the world of traveling and understanding how to make a brand as well as being a private chef. So I am very happy to have Chef Kristen Willis on Soul by Chef Todd Richards. Chef, welcome to the show. I am so excited. Thank you so much for having me, Chef. I, I'm ready to dive in, um, get a little, you know, down and dirty with these details, but I'm super excited. Yeah, this is going to, going to be great. Um, you know, with this being, you know, a, a, a new season for me, I really wanted to explore more things besides just the classic things of talking about being a chef or, you know, coming up in the kitchen or things of restaurant nature. Because I get a question all the time about how do you become a pirate chef? How do you do catering? How do you get in front of the, uh, the, the camera and things like that? So I couldn't think of any other person, you know, to really contact, but you to really help answer some of these questions that people ask me all the time, as well give them a good pathway to, to finding their own identity uh, in the restaurant business. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to tell you whatever you need to know. <laughs> right. You know, when we talked about the background of yourself, you started in kitchens at the wee age of what, 15, you said? 15, yes. And it's crazy thinking about that. I'm 32 now, but I started when I was 15 as a hostess and I literally have not stopped. I mean, that is such an exciting thing. And you're a Grady baby, not necessarily you, went, you were born in Grady, but you are born and raised in Atlanta, which is such a rarity uh, to meet someone. I mean, you, you might as well be a Haley's Comet, uh, you know, <laughs> for people who are born and raised here in, 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 in Atlanta. Uh, how oh how was gosh. it growing up in this, in this restaurant uh, world of Atlanta restaurants? Wow. Okay. So first off, shout out to Piedmont Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Piedmont. Hey, there's nothing yeah. wrong with Grady. Grady has turned out some really great people, but Piedmont, oh, you know, yeah. Piedmont's yeah. a great, great hospital. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so growing up in Atlanta, wow. Um, I've just seen this city evolve so much um, from what the city looks like to the restaurants, to the feel of the city and also the culture. Um, growing up, I remember when you could just get on the highway and get somewhere in five minutes. Now it takes 30 to 45 to an hour, depending on where you are. So this city has massively just increased in size and popularity, um, and especially in the media world as well. Um, but growing up, yeah, like it, it was fun. Like I grew up with both of my parents and we were in the Druid Hills kind of um, Ponzi area. Wow. And 
seeing those restaurants. Um, okay, one for example that's still there is Manuel's Tavern. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, well, if my liver can talk, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> and so we would go there when there was still a smoking section. So my parents would like take us there for like dinner or lunch. And like, I remember my mom being like, no, we need to go to the window, the non-smoking area. But like, that's what restaurants were back then. Um, and just to see that that restaurant is still thriving. And <laughs> it's just amazing to me just to kind of see um, the places that have stayed and also the places that have unfortunately closed. You know, one thing that I really uh, know about the Atlanta dining scene is that uh, they are loyal to Atlanta chefs that have come through the ranks or, you know, have these upbringings. But when you have, you know, quote unquote, celebrity chefs come in town, it seems like Atlanta dining scene is not really too kind um, to those. You know, I remember when uh, Clicchio opened here, uh, a few other chefs that came in, you know, from, from outside of the city, and then all of a sudden, you know, their restaurant is gone. Why do you think there's such a love, just homegrown talent in this city? Wow, that's a great, uh, interesting point that you made. And I'm thinking about Richard Blaze when he came to Midtown and he was just above his time. Um, but there is this sense of like, okay, yes, you're from Atlanta, you're a Southern chef. And it's almost that hospitality field where they they actually applaud you more than you coming from New York or LA to start something here. Um, and I think that just goes along with this sense of culture. And I think people like to put a face to the name and also like to have that familiarity with the chef. Like I saw the chef um, at X restaurant and now I followed him to several other places in the city. And, you know, you grow a very, a great following. Um, and I think people still appreciate that putting a face to the name in the city. I look at, uh, you know, a person like Kevin Rathburn who came to the city uh, with, with Nava, um, but has been embraced by the city uh, for so long. You know, he did join, you know, uh, Bucket Life Group. So that group was definitely a Atlanta-based uh, company. But, you know, to have someone like him, you know, join the city out of Texas, and then next thing you know, everyone's in love with him. He has several restaurants. It's really great to see that Atlanta Dynasty embrace people that, you know, sure. that they feel that their own but also i think that most people don't realize that atlanta is still a big college town um as well when you think about the number of universities and the way we approach things like college football do you think that has something to do with it as well i do absolutely i mean and the city is just such a huge implant city where you know we are getting massive amounts of people from different you know walks of life in different cities and different smaller towns um i think that's a, a you know, it starts there. It starts, you know, at these other age groups and it really transitions. And it's like, I, I embrace other people, um, you know, trying to try new restaurants and they're like in college or they're like, I'm a young entrepreneur and they're really fascinated by the food scene, but it definitely starts there. And, you know, if we can gravitate towards them and then, you know, evolve the food in a meaningful way, I think it will impact our community tenfold. I think um, one thing I really want to explore with you is is the fact that you started in restaurants at the age of 15 and never left. I, I Everyone knows my story somewhat of that, you know, I dropped out of college to get into the restaurant business and never walk, you know, look back. What was so captivating about being a 15-year-old that wanted to work in a restaurant? So it started off where 
I've always just been fascinated about helping. And my dad noticed that he had a valley business at Silk, which was in Midtown, and they needed a hostess. I was underage. However, my dad had a lot of faith in me and was like, well, my daughter could just work the front. <laughs> and he's like, she's personable. She has, you know, she's great with people. So I just dove in. And when I realized this was fun and this was easy, I couldn't believe I was getting paid at that age to do something I like to do, which was talk to people, um, which eventually led to cooking and exploring the back of house. And this was not something I did for fun. I didn't do this for, you know, any type of value. I didn't do this to necessarily level up because I didn't have that intention of being a chef at that age. Mm -hmm. I just knew I love to cook and I love to be in the kitchen and I like to create and just explore. And it really just evolved naturally. And it wasn't until I worked front of house and back of house for several years, high school, obviously, but that really put me through college. I was full-time I had two jobs. I served and then I also cooked. And I just thought that was just the way I could pay for my books and my school. And right. I got to a point where I was studying journalism and it just wasn't clicking for me. So my dad, you know, I had this talk with him and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm probably 22 at this time. And I wanted to already switch my major from journalism to something else. And he said something very impactful he told me time is going to pass anyway. So what do you want to do with it? Mm. And he naturally said that you are great in the kitchen. You're also good at art. He's like, why don't you explore culinary arts? And I said, well, I just do that for fun. I don't, I don't necessarily see that as a career. And he told me to go for it. And I took his advice and I'm glad I did because when I stepped into the kitchen um, in culinary school, I already knew what to do. I already had the experience and it just, it was natural. So that was really, really <laughs> great. Really, really. You, you did go to culinary school. I did. I did. I went to Gwinnett Tech. Oh, Gwinnett Tech. You know, I, you know let, me, let me ask you something about that um, because I am a firm believer right now that vocational schools need to come back uh, even more because everyone's not destined to be a doctor, lawyer, uh, you know, accountant or anything like that. Some people are, are more adapt to vocational things like woodworking, electrician, uh, cooking. You know, what do you think the impact of going to a school like that, a vocational school like that compared to a maybe a CIA uh, did for you in understanding the way food is being produced or the way, you know, the restaurant industry that you already had experience in kind of shaped you to look at a place like that? You know, that's that's a very good point. Um, I did want to go to Le Cordon Bleu. I did want to go to the Art Institute. However, it was the cost. Um, I didn't have a spoon being fed to me when it came to money. Um, you know, my parents both worked and I supported myself. So I did not have to take out a loan because I went to I went to this two year on a grant. And then I also had a scholarship. So I worked really hard to just make it easier for myself, but I did have to put some work behind it. Um, but that doesn't mean that I didn't have the same access to the skills, to the technique and to the food that was being provided and being taught to me. So we did the same exact things. We were also an accredited um, school. So it, it was a win-win. It was, you know, obviously half the cost and, you know, it was a trek to get out there from Atlanta to Gwinnett, but I made it work and I sacrificed. 
I think that that answer is probably one of the most profound uh, answers I've had on on uh, my show because I think sometimes we get caught up in the hype of a name and we don't pay attention to the hard work that it really re requires to get there. Uh, you know that you already had experience and you went to culinary school afterwards. Where yeah. you know people ask me all the time, should I go to culinary school? And I say, have you worked in the kitchen in the kitchen or in a restaurant? first. Uh, no, then you do not go to culinary school because it will be sure. wrong for me to recommend you go spend 40, 50, $60,000 on the education and for something you may not want to do, uh, oh on, you know, on the other side of it. So do I recommend culinary school? Yes. After you've worked in the kitchen or in the restaurant for a minimum of, of two years, if you haven't done that, then I don't recommend going. Chef. And that is such a great point that you brought up because, you know, even if you do go to culinary school, I've had some of my classmates not even step foot into a kitchen. And you know what? They're probably not even in the kitchen anymore because they didn't have that firsthand experience. So I'd wholeheartedly believe that if this is something you want to do and you want to at least have the documentation that you graduated, why don't you do both? And there's nothing wrong with, you know, putting your foot in the door and getting your education at the same time. Um, you know, I want to talk about something that you said, though, about you worked while you're in school, uh, two jobs and things like that. And obviously, uh, you know, people will just look at you on, on the surface and say, you know, she's a beautiful woman. She happens to be a chef. But I don't think people really understand or may not be able to appreciate how much hard work you put in to get to where you are right now and your career, you know, you still have many, many more years ahead of you. And talk about that work ethic. Where did that work ethic come from in order to get this, you know, this job done? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Um, you know, when we talked last night about, you know, the show and the podcast, I haven't looked back in a while. So this is causing me to actually look back and, you know, and really appreciate the grit, the tenacity, and also like what it really took, the hard work and the dedication, um, because that has to be ingrained in you. And at an early age, I just wanted more for my life. And I wanted to be the best. And I wanted to still put 100% into everything I did. And if I couldn't, then that was not going to be the right path for me. And, um, you know, having a lot of chefs tell me, no, you can't work in my kitchen. Um, because you are a woman or you don't have the skill set yet. That was hard having, you know, other peers look down on me like, okay, yeah, she's coming into the kitchen with her hair in a bun and she's working garmage. But in my mind, I'm like, I want to work grill. And how long is it going to take me to get to that position? What, what do I need to do to prove to you? And it was always that case. I always had to prove myself in every kitchen I stepped in. Um, because of how I looked or because of, you know, I didn't have the necessary, the right experience that they were looking for, but I was determined and I didn't want to take no for an answer. So I, I just applied that to every, you know, level in my career, you know, just working harder than a lot of people in the room. I would say that I may not be the most skilled, but, but I am going to be the most hard, hard working that you'll find. I'm, Absolutely. I'm going, you know, you're not going to outdo me. You know, in uh, that, but also, you know, I uh, am one who really has a disdain for uh, gender inequality in kitchens. I've had more female executive chefs and sous chefs in my kitchen than probably most chefs in their entire career. Uh, 
I, I don't believe that women are relegated to the pantry station. Uh, Mm-hmm. That that really bothers me. But quite honestly, what most people don't understand, though, is the pantry station is one of the hardest damn stations, you know, to do. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. know what I mean? You know, with a steak, you grill it, you know, it can sit there for a couple of minutes. You dress that salad, you know, it's oh. dying right there in the window. Absolutely. Um, I do want to give you some insight. For my externship, I worked for Disney, and a lot of people don't know that. Oh, so wow. right right before I graduated um, culinary school, I did six months at Disney in Orlando, and I worked for the Polynesian Resort in the Grand Floridian. And <laughs> my first station I had to work was breakfast, and it was at a restaurant called Ohana, and they had 1,400 people for breakfast a day. And wow. I was just thrown for the biggest loop ever. <laughs> and I've never experienced that type of high volume. Um, but what that taught me was to move fast and to be efficient. I hated it, but <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, you experience it a couple of times and you say either, yes, I do love this or I want to do something else with my food world and my journey. Um, but <laughs> I was thrown into the ringer quite a few times. I did crap at 4 a.m. for Disney and I didn't get off until two. And it was just a different world for me. Um, but I'm glad that I did get to plant my foot and set a foundation for myself. So in the event I need to go back and do those things, no problem, I'll do it. All right, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I said, if you want to do two things, uh, work uh, work the uh, omelet station at, um, you know, at the Ritz for, you know, for, for Sunday brunch, you know, your holiday Sunday brunch, you know, I mean, that, I mean, just doing eggs alone. If you want to oh see if someone can really cook, put them on an omelet station, you know, or, you or put them on the egg station for brunch. I remember when I was at the shed at Glenwood, uh, I worked, you know, me, I'm the executive chef, but I worked the egg station for brunch because it was the hardest station in, in the world. I mean, poaching eggs to order is not an easy, easy task. I mean, when you have that kind of volume. So I, I, I empathize and I sympathize <laughs> with, yes. with you, you know, uh, cool. uh, on Absolutely. Absolutely. At, at Disney, too. I, I'm actually going to be there uh, uh, in a little while. I have some a uh, good friend of mine from the Ritz-Carlton down there, so I'm going to go check out their new exhibit that they have down there. It's it's a whole different world. <laughs> it is a whole different world. You know what I mean? Well, I mean... 1400 people. I mean, most yeah. people can't do 14. Anyway, let me, let me stop on my rant here before somebody gets mad, yeah. mad at I me. Know. <laughs> so so, so you, you worked your way through um, kitchens and everything like that. And then you decided that you wanted to become a private chef. And can you first tell people what is a private chef, you know, a, and then B describe what is the hours of being a private chef and things like that? You know, you hear about these celebrities and, you know, their chef is on 24-hour call. Well, to me, that's a butler. That's not a chef, you know. But, you know, what is that life like in, in everything surrounding being a private chef? Absolutely. Um, so I was a personal chef slash private chef before this was even popular, Um I got out of the restaurant because I knew I was not going to be as creative and move up the way I wanted to. And uh, fortunately, I was young when I made that decision. I was 25. And, you know, I I felt like, yeah, I I did my share of restaurants already. And I got an opportunity to work for a private chef service in the city. And right when I stepped foot into a residence, into a family's home, I felt so comfortable. 
And I felt like I could be creative with my menu. I could change it however I wanted to. I could practice my skill set. The hours, obviously, you're, it's not your time. It's their time. And I do want to let people know that because you're giving time back to someone else um, that doesn't necessarily have time to cook for themselves or to figure out what lunch or dinner or breakfast looks like. So you're on their schedule. Whether you need to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and get your groceries and your food orders in and step at the door at 8 a.m., then that's what you do. Or they're not having dinner until 10 o'clock and you've been prepping for two days for this and you're just waiting. Um, so it is about time. And I will say it just fluctuates, you know, and it's one of those professions that anything can change at the drop of a dime. And you just have to think on your feet and you have to be fast and you have to have a game plan. <laughs> uh, walking into this field without a game plan, you're lost. Okay. And um, it is very, you can thrive in this industry if you're very good and you're very talented and you're able to think on your feet. You know, now on social media, everyone's a private chef and I'm looking at them. I'm like, wow, how much have you done though? <laughs> how many, how many times have you had a cake melt on you? <laughs> right. car, like you were telling me, or how many times have you had to change the menu a la minute just because of something or an ingredient or something didn't come in, um, you know, and Hey, that that's just the nature of the game. So it, it is very daunting and stressful, um, but you just have to have fun with it, you know, and to say like, hey, you're going to wake up every day and it's going to be a different scenario. So just get ready. <laughs> I think that's really a great point. Um, we're going to take a quick break right quick. You're listening to Soul by Chef Todd Richards. It's the final stretch of 2022 and HRN needs your help. Our goal for the winter membership drive is to raise $30,000. Become an HRN member with a donation of any amount at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Through creative, educational reporting, storytelling, and live events, HRN delivers thought-provoking exchanges about the real issues affecting our global food system. Your donation also supports our internship program, an essential part of HRN's work that educates the next generation of journalists. Donate at the $90 level before December 31st, and you'll receive a limited-release HRN t-shirt designed exclusively for HRN members by artist Chema Scandal. When you become an HRN member at any level, you'll be the first to know about special events and get news updates created only for Food Radio Insiders. Help us meet our end-of-year fundraising goal with your tax-deductible donation. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and become a member today. We're back with Soul by Chef Todd Richards. And we got a few more minutes here with Chef Kristen Willis. And we're talking about being a private chef. And then I want to talk about your life in front of the camera, because I see you're making this transition, especially being Atlanta, L.A. based. Like, how can you not have both of those uh, uh, cities that you're in and not be in front of the camera somehow? What is this transition that you're making into front of the camera and how do you think that's going to help further your career? Wow, it's so exciting. <laughs> I will say that, yes, I I love being a chef and that's always going to be my bread and butter. Um, but I have this, this keen way of talking to a camera and to an audience that 
I think it needs to be explored. And if you do have that type of personality to where you can connect with people on that level, then use it. And I felt like I, I love being in behind the scenes, but I also love being in front too. So um, I'm excited. This is a new chapter. It's a new transition. And I've seen chefs do it in the past um, and where it's really elevated their career and taking them to new heights. And I want to, you know, really just stretch it and see how far I can go and be that 1% of chefs that can also be on TV. But hey, I also have, you know, an accredited background of being a chef. So it's very important to me that I put my best foot forward with this, but also have fun and show my personality and like, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, And a lot of people think you have to be perfect on camera and you really don't. It's just really, are you having fun and are you engaging with people? So I'm excited. Um, There's a lot of goals I want to explore with this. And Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm just going to see where life takes me. Um, But I'm very excited. Um, Let me ask this question a little bit more in depth. Do you, um, when you're looking at inspiration uh, or people to inspire you that are in front of cameras, do you gravitate more to those who are chefs like yourself who actually came up through the kitchens, who you still seeing cooking in restaurants or a private chef? Or do you go into like the other personalities that, you know, that didn't have it? They just might be great home cooks or something like that. That's a good question. Um, I mean, for example, like you think about like Rachel Ray, like she necessarily didn't grow up in restaurants. Um but it's her personality and it's her drive to connect with viewers that really made her a success story. Um, however, I am seeing a trend of chefs that have really put in a lot of effort um, in the restaurants and scene. And now people are like, hey, we wanna, we wanna know their point of view. So I'm gravitating towards the chefs that have really put, you know, their heart and soul into restaurants and have been, you know, in the kitchen in the back and no one's ever talked to them. And now they're telling their story um, from a different lens. So I'm I'm going with that. <laughs> I think there's there's a big story to tell, and there's a lot of things that people don't talk about in the kitchen. And you know they're getting the platform to do so. So I think that's great. I, I can honestly say that if I'm um, walking past the TV and Barefoot Contessa is on, I am stopping. <laughs> you know, I mean, she just makes everything. She talks at this pace that just makes it like you just sucks you in, you know, yeah. and, yeah. you know, it's always sunny. outside. like, how in the hell is it sunny every time she's you know, making food? Um, but oh. that's just the kind of things that I, you know, I look for in, in, in television personalities. And then I also with chefs, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Richard Blaze is like, are you doing something that I want to bite into when I see it on camera? I think that's the most important thing for me is that sometimes you see shows where, you know, the celery is washed, but it's just celery, you know, it's not nothing there or the food, you know, you'll see eggs without any salt or pepper on it. And it's, you know, are you making it for TV you know, are you making it so much for TV that it's taking the the essence of food out of it? Those are the shows I kind of gravitate less to than 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 the other ones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're visual people, and you know, we eat with our eyes first. Um, but it's just, yeah, food styling and chefs that can add a lot more skill sets to the repertoire. I think are the ones that really you know advance in 
their food journey. And yeah, it's like, you don't want to see something or eat something without it being seasoned. And as chefs, we, we look at that and we're like, okay, they didn't put any love into that. So we're already knowing what it's going to taste like at the end of the day. Man, you know, this is a, a great episode. I hate it when I really start getting to a conversation and then we, you know, get short on time. We got about one minute left here. Uh, so are you, um, what jet are you going to be uh, buying with all the success? <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> but the next five years, um, and like I said, we only have about one minute left here. Uh, where do you think this industry is going? Because COVID has changed us tremendously. I'm seeing a lot of chefs really step outside of the box. And I'm, I hope to be one of those pioneers of chefs that can say, yes, you can also cook food and you can also be on TV and you can also have a really strong social media presence. And combining all three of those, it's a business in itself. And seeing a lot of chefs or even food bloggers or anyone in the food industry connect the two um, are really going to pivot in a really strong direction. So I hope that it's, you know, it's just evolving with the food business and, you know, those that are making those connections and seeing how that correlates into the world that we're heading into are going to be very successful. I'm going to be so proud when I see it, um, see your show uh, come out. I'm going to, you know, pop my collar, say she was on Soul first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. You know, I I recorded her first, you know, beforehand. I'm just yes. joking here. Um, <laughs> where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so it is Chef Kristen Willis, and that's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-N. Um, and all on my all of my handles are the same. So just Chef Kristen Willis, my website, everything else is connected on the same thing. Well, I am uh, very happy for your success, uh, your future success. Uh, you're a lifer like myself, uh, which I can appreciate um, that as well. And I look for, you know, we all got to get together. We got to get this whole group of, of Atlanta chefs together and eat a good meal and tell war stories and really continue to shape the future of dining, uh, either in front of the camera or at a restaurant uh, table. Absolutely. That would be so amazing. We have to connect. Um, thank you so much for having me, Chef Pod. I really appreciate you and what you're doing for the community of Atlanta. You're listening to Soul by Chef Todd Richards. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.